Hello friends and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In this week's episode, we are going to be taking a look at Buried Treasure, Furnace, and Libertalia. Well, technically it's Libertalia. The Winds of Galecrest. The wind the winds of Galecrust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so anyway, it's a re-implementation of Libertalia, just from Stonemeyer. And then in our discussion topic, we are going to do Would You Rather Board Game Edition Part 2, because we had so much fun doing it the last time, we figured we might as well give it another shot. But before we do that, let's get into some games. What do you think, Natasha? All right, let's start with Buried Treasure. So this is uh, spelled B-E-R-R-I-E-D, as in berries. It's a quick little set collection game. It was originally designed by Sid Saxon. This new one is designed by uh, Noah Cohen and Rob Davio. The art is by Heather Vaughn. Uh, It's published by Restoration Games. In this game, players are trying to get the most points by having the most pie in each round. At the beginning of the round, cards are laid out in four rows. All the players can see all the cards, but on their turn, they can only take a card from one end of the row. They can take any card they want, and put it in front of them, but then they are opening up the next card in the, that row for the next player. Most cards you just take and put in front of you. Some cards allow you to take additional cards, and others let you steal cards from other players. After all the cards in the round are taken, players score points for having the most of each pie. Each player or each round, all the different pies score different amounts. The twist is that there are, if there are ever any ties, those players don't score. Um, any points for those pies the cards you get through the game throughout the game stay in front of you for the whole game if they don't get stolen the game is played over three rounds and three of the four scorecards are randomly selected at the start of each round what makes this game strategic is making sure you are not revealing cards that help your opponent you want to take that lemon meringue pie but if you do your opponent may take that card under it which allows them to steal cards so you may take a card you don't want as much in hopes that someone else will take that lemon meringue card and you get to take the card that lets you take someone else's card. It's quite a mean little game, but it plays in about 15-20 minutes, so even if everyone steals all your cards, it's still a lot of fun. You know, I don't know if I would actually consider this game mean. Really? For me personally, yeah. There's a lot going back and forth and in, in stealing stuff, but I feel like I would describe it as being interactive as opposed to mean. Like, yeah, you're stealing stuff, but at the same time, everyone's doing it to everyone else. Yeah, like, that's the, literally the whole point of the game. It's not like you're ruining somebody's plans. You're just trying to take their cards. Yeah, in some ways, you're just, yeah, you're just ha- going around stealing whatever you can to try to knock this person off. And it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of, you're not targeting one individual player, right? You're just kind of, okay, they're ahead in, they're ahead in Lemon Meringue, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's going to score highest, so I need to steal that. But then... Someone over here is all of a sudden building up their lemon meringue stuff, so I need to make sure we take care of them too. It you're interacting with all the players almost somewhat evenly, just depending on what they've been taking. Yeah, it's it's a fun little little puzzly game of you know trying to make best with what's in front of you, um, trying not to open up opportunities for your opponent. I like the two player version; it's slightly different the way the cards are arranged. So instead of having those piles, you have them all laid out and one person can only take cards on one side of the cards and the other person can only take cards on the other side and then as the the cards get taken then 
they're available. You know, the middle one is available for the other player. And I think that's really interesting. And it really feels very different at two players. In some ways, the two player version of this game feels a lot like Seven Wonders Duel, actually. Yeah, a little bit. Because of the way you're taking cards and then taking cards will reveal other cards for other. It, it just it, it has a. Um, I don't want to say similar cadence, but in some ways it kind of is, right? There's mm, like a way simpler version, yeah. Yeah. Without all the complicated, it's literally you just take the cards and add up how many um, pie pies you have of each type. Yeah, so it it definitely doesn't have the same kind of complexity as something like Seven Wonders Duel. It's a fun little game, and we had a chance to demo it at Origins, and after we got done, we played a two player version. We both picked it up. Because mm-hmm. we were both like, this is a game that we can we can play with our kids and have you know fun doing it, right? Yeah. What do you think yeah. of the artwork? I was I've I've always kind of curious with specifically like this stuff how you feel about the artwork. Um, I like the style. Um, my only complaint it's got these little um raccoon paws so the that you are um that are stealing the pies are supposed to be like the paws are stealing the pies. So I think that's really cute. I like the little animal paws in there. I think the artwork looks great. My only complaint is that it's buried treasure, but there's only two of the pies that are made out of berries. <laughs> so oh my there's gosh, a chocolate, so <laughs> chocolate pie and a lemon meringue pie, and those are not berries. So I mean, that's my only complaint. <laughs> Your complaint is that it doesn't it doesn't follow the name by which it's it's yeah. it's being called. Well, but I get it because you can't <laughs> like you can have a cherry pie, strawberry pie, raspberry sure. pie. And blueberry pie, but then three of the four would be pink, you know. So I mean, I get it; they need different colors. They I'm need- not mad about it or anything. Okay, but. so here's my question to you then: What would you rename it? I wouldn't. I would find berries that are different colors. And, and you, put- geez. so you would do like a blueberry. You would do a strawberry. What like else maybe could you do? You could do strawberry, pink, and then like a cherry could be a, a red, right? See, a then darker red. You just lost me color blindness, color blindness uh, well, to be able to differentiate. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess. I what I other berry is there besides blue and blackberry? You could do blackberry. Isn't, isn't one of them blackberry? No, it's chocolate. One of them might be. There's two berry okay. pies. There's blue, pink, yellow, and, bl- and chocolate. What was so, the original? What was the original game called? buried treasure but like a treasure like a you know pirate so it makes a lot more sense that they kept it somewhat similar within name of what it was before yeah even though it doesn't it, it breaks not, com- not all buried pies it completely breaks your immersion within the game <laughs> as you're playing it i mean i'm not mad about it you know but you know it is uh it is flaw so you should know that going in you know the more i think about it that's actually a fair point, and I think that frustrates me more than anything. That I think it's a fair point because really, <laughs> it shouldn't matter, <laughs> right? Like you, uh, it. The funny thing is, it never even occurred to me that that would be a problem. I was like, "Oh, buried treasure." Okay, it makes sense. The game used to be called Buried Treasure. All right, this one's all about pies. Cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. But now that I think about it, the fact that there's only two berries and the rest of them are something else is kind of. You could do different, like, desserts made out of berries, too. Like, one could be strawberry shortcake. You know, they don't have to be pies, because nothing in the name indicates they're pies. It's they're, they're berries. This is true. So you could do, <laughs> yeah, you could technically, you didn't have to do pies, but either way. Yeah, no. those, paw print, those paw prints are pretty cool, though. Did you not like the artwork? Um, It's kind of got a unique style. It's kind of got, like, a sharp, I don't know. I like the artwork. It's unique. I don't hate the artwork 
I don't think it's fantastic. I think the artwork is fine, and I think it works for what the game is. So as far as that's concerned, the artwork is functional. It's good. There's it's pretty minimal because each card is basically just a picture of a of a some sort of pie, mm-hmm. and then the only other stuff is the paw prints, which is which is a cool symbol to like steal. You know, I like that uh, steal from your partner or uh, from your one of your opponents, and then they have more, but spelled M O A R, so they could <laughs> so you can take more of the same kind from the tableau of cards, right? I think it's cute. I like it. I think it's fine. You know, no big deal. Whatever. You know, got some raccoon handprints on there, some trash pandas. <laughs> trash pandas. Uh, I would rate this game a six, Bob. What would you rate it? You're only giving it a six? Yeah. I mean, I like it. Um, I don't know that it um, it has a lot of... It doesn't have a lot of, th- of me trying to play it again and again, right? Like, it's cute. Yeah, I'll play okay, it whenever yeah, you want. Okay. But, like, there's nothing like nothing that makes me go, ooh, I want to play this again. That's fair. Uh, I'm, approaching the, I'm approaching my rating as if it were me playing the game with my kids. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, I'm not approaching this as a game I'm going to play with gamers. If I would, because honestly, now that I think about it, I would probably rate it a six, very similar to you. If it was, all right, I'm going to go bring this to game night, right? Mm-hmm. But playing with, you know, my daughter who's turning eight, I would give this game a seven. I think, I think it's enough that they under, she understands the concept behind it. Mm-hmm. And it's also gives me enough decisions. And for planning, because one of the things we had talked to you had mentioned in the overview is there's four scoring cards. You use three of them. So mm-hmm. in some ways, you're hedging your bets on what's going to come up in the later rounds. Like maybe in this round, the chocolate pie scores last, but there's a good chance it's going to score first. So maybe you just set yourself up for later rounds. Mm-hmm. Definitely has a lot of choices. For sure. And that and that's where, again, for me, approaching it from playing with my playing with my kids I would, I would give it a seven in that regard. I'd recommend giving this game a try if you're looking for a quick little uh, card game. A uh, great one to play with kids. That is Buried Treasure with half berries. <laughs> Less than half, right? <laughs> <laughs> Next up, I want to talk about the game Furnace. This is an engine building auction game designed by Evan Lashen and published by Arcane Wonders. In this game, players are going to take on the role of 19th century capitalists building their industrial corporations and making as much money as they possibly can. Furnace is played over the course of four rounds. Each round is broken up into two phases. The first phase is the auction phase. During this phase, there will be a market of up to eight cards in the center of the table. These are company cards which players uh, could add to their tableau. Each player in turn order will place one of four discs they have on one of these cards until all the discs have been placed. The discs are valued from one through four. After all discs are placed, you resolve the cards left to right. This is actually important because whoever places their highest number disc acquires the card and places in front of them. But these cards also have a resource icon on the top of them, and any discs that are lower than the winner gets to take a number of resources equal to the disc number multiplied by that resource icon. So for example, If I placed a three disc and it showed two coal, I could potentially get six coal. Mm -hmm. There are some cards that don't provide resources but let players convert resources. Again, you can do the conversion a number of times equal to the value of the disc you placed. 
Border is important because you may need to acquire resources earlier, so then you can try to convert them later on. Once all the cards have been resolved, players will then move into the production phase, where they activate the cards in front of them as long as they have the resources they need. This phase is typically played simultaneously, and the goal is to basically churn your engine and make as much money as you possibly can. Whoever has the most money at the end wins the game. What makes this game unique and fun is specifically that auction phase where you win cards with the biggest number. Because sometimes what will happen is you'll put place a three down, hoping that you're just going to gain a bunch of coal, but then nobody outbids you. So then instead of getting the resources, you get the card. So you can't get both. You're only going to get one. You either get the card or you're going to get the resource or conversion on top of it. It's a real nice take on the auction mechanic. I think that's where a lot of the fun of this particular game sits is during that first auction phase of things. The engine building portion of things, for the most part, as as far as what I'm concerned, is pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. You have a bunch of stuff. You activate a card. You tap it. Exhaust can't say tap so you exhaust it do whatever it says you're trying to generate you know the the better resources and you're trying to basically convert those for money pretty simple stuff but the bidding and auction part is really where this game i think does really well yeah it's so unique the bidding i love it because because everybody has the same resources you have those four discs and they're valued one two three four super simple you put one on each of the, you know, put one on, take turns putting one on cards. But the way that it plays out, the way you, it's not that you're just bidding the highest bid takes it, but you get things when you bid on low things. So deciding what to bid on, like, really matters. And it sucks when you really want those resources, but nobody outbid you. So you end up getting the card, this useless card that doesn't do you any good instead of the resources that you actually wanted. But yeah, it's just so interesting and unique. When I first played this game, I was like, I was not impressed. And really? Yeah, I don't know what it was. Like, I played it and I was like, okay, I guess it's fine. And I played it a second time and I was like, okay, okay, I can kind of see what's happening. And then, you know, playing it again, I really started to appreciate where the game was because I, I went into the game anticipating that the, the part that was going to be the most in, in interesting would be the engine building process, doing that and then running mm-hmm. that engine. It's not. That is the simplistic part. Yeah. The, fir- the part of bidding on stuff and trying to get the cards you want and then trying to like make sure you're getting you know resources so you can convert them because that's a big portion of where you get your resources is in that first auction phase. That's really where all the, your decisions and strategy come from is, is what to bid on and what your opponents are bidding on. Because once you you know run your engine, it's straightforward. You just run your engine. There is a con- um, an advanced variant where you have to do cards in order. And as you take them, you put you decide where they go in your order. And then you have to do the cards in order, which I think is really interesting. But I haven't played it yet because it sounds way too hard. I don't know if I would ever play it that way. I think if you got really good at the game, I think it'd be really fun and it would add a, add a nice fun twist to it. Yeah, I think for the weight of the game, I think it might take it up to a higher notch than I would per- personally want. It's kind of like we talked about Res Arcana recently, mm-hmm. you know, a few episodes ago. And I we talked about the draft portion. You're like, I never want to draft that game. 
And I think that game is complex enough where doing something like drafting, especially if you're really good at the game, I think is the next appropriate step. With this, I don't know. You would have to really know those cards. You would have to really know what different cards have the capability of coming out. So then when you do run your engine Mm -hmm. or when you are placing it, you have a general idea of what's coming up. It's like knowing all the tiles in Carcassonne. You're, you have to have a general idea. Otherwise, you're just kind of winging it. Well, you're placing them in order at the time you're taking them. So you're not committing like this card to the five spot. You're like, I'm going to put this card before this card. And then the next card you get, you're like, hey, do I want to put it beginning, middle, or end? You know what I mean? So you're kind of deciding as you take cards. I haven't done it yet, so I can't really say. I think it'd be interesting if you got really good at the game. I agree. You'd have to... You'd have to know what you're doing, at least, and have an idea of how the how the engine is going to play out. Because even when I play, I'm like, "Oh, what do I want to do first? Because you have to you have to do. There's like a couple different things you could do on the card, and you have to do the whole card all at once. So even that right there is is enough of a strategy to make it interesting too. You can't just bounce around and do part of the card. Yeah, there's usually a couple different things you can do on the card. So the one's going to be like maybe just generate resources. And then the next one's take oil and convert it into money. Well, mm-hmm. you can't collect the resources, activate a different card to change those resources into oil, and then come back and do that. You can't. Once you've activated that factory tile or factory card, you've activated it. You're done activating mm-hmm. it this round. So there is some there is some strategy in every round deciding when to activate your cards in what order. You know. You definitely have to consider the way you activate your different factory cards that are in your tableau. But it's one of those things that you're just trying to run them as, as efficiently as you possibly can. It's not this you know super complex puzzle where you're just sitting there thinking about it for a long, long period of time. Usually you can get through that phase mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The, the interesting part really is the bidding. And it's such a unique bidding mechanic. And you, you're never losing. You, you know what I mean? And I really like that. Yeah. Like someone might outbid you, but then you get... The resources, so it's you. You win on everything, and and I like that, and I think that's really interesting. You say you're never like losing; you're always winning something. You lose mm-hmm. when you get when you get a card. That is when you, the more <laughs> often than not, when you get a card and you're like, ah, I didn't want this. I wanted the resources. You're still like getting an uh-huh. additional piece for your engine, but at the same time, it's not what you wanted. You didn't put that two on there to mm-hmm. win it. You put the two on there to get the coal or get the oil or whatever mm-hmm. it happens to be. So more often than that, that's the part where people are like, oh, man, I didn't want this yeah. card. Like, I'm not going to use it. <laughs> yeah. If, if it's got good resources on it, no one's going to outbid you because they all want the resources as well. Yeah, pretty much. And then you do get uh, in the box player powers. I can't remember exactly how many they are, but. They're fine. Yeah. They're nothing that I would say are really exciting, if that makes sense. Like one person gets an extra mm-hmm. an extra disc or somebody can place discs after other discs have been placed. You know, stuff like that. Little in-game things that break the normal rules. But it's still, I don't, I think it's, I think you actually, it's like an advanced variant too. It's another one of those advanced variants is playing with those special powers. I would probably always do it. I don't think they're too complicated realistically what they need to do is they need to come up with an expansion that gives you additional player powers that would be cool that would be cool because those player powers i agree they're fine i don't mind them they're they're just a little bit extra to remember so that's kind of a pain but they're definitely worth 
worth the effort because it is interesting. It makes it a little different, but whatever. Uh, what do you think of the artwork? I like it a lot. A lot. It, it looks really sharp. I like the look of it. It looks clean, simple looking. I like it. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with clean. I was trying to think of a way to describe the artwork and it's just, it's aesthetically clean. There's, you know, you have the white box with that, that, uh, that face on the front and it just, yeah, I think it, I think it works. It's, I think it looks good, but clean is a very good word to use. I, I like that. It's definitely clean for sure. What would you rate the game? I would rate it an eight out of 10. I really like it. I think it's a great, it's got a lot of strategy how, for how small and quick the game is. And I really like that. Yeah, I'm giving this game a 7 out of 10. I liked it. I think going into it, you really need to appreciate the auction part of things as opposed to the engine building. The engine building is fine and it's good. It's for what the game what the game offers, I think it's good. I don't think that's where the game as Natasha would say, that's not where the that's not the heart of the game. The heart of the game is the auction mm-hmm. part of things for sure. Yeah. So, I definitely recommend giving this game a try if you like auction games. And even if you like engine building games, because like I said, the engine building part is pretty solid. So that is Furnace. All right. Next up, I want to talk about Libertalia, Winds of Galecrest. This is a simultaneous card laying game about pirates collecting loot. It's designed by Polio Mori and art is by Lamoro Smith, published by Stonemaier Games. In this game, players are pirates trying to collect the best loot to earn the most gold. They do this by sending out their crew members to to the island in hopes of being the first one to select the loot. The game has 40 different crew members, each with a unique value and special ability. To start the game, one player randomly selects six crew and all the other players will draw from their deck the same crew members. The first round is played over four days where you send out a different crew member to the island each day. So each player secretly selects a crew member and everyone reveals which one was selected at once. Then you put the crew member in order from lowest to highest, and each player in that order gets to do their crew member's daytime ability, if they have one. Then in the opposite order, each player gets to select a loot token from the pile. The crew member, still alive, gets added to your ship at the end of the day, and the crew with the nighttime special abilities get to do their their special action. At the end of the voyage, you can activate all crew members or loot tokens special um, that, that you've collected throughout the round. If they have a special end of the round ability, then all pirates in your ship get moved to your graveyard where they can no longer be used. Then all players get another six random pirates. They all get the same ones and another voyage begins. What makes this game so fun is trying to guess what the other players are going to play. You don't want to play your highest pirate at the same time everyone else does because then he's not as valuable. So there's 40 different pirates in the box, but only 18 get played each game. So every game is going to be wildly different. It's definitely a mean game. You might have the best of plans, but oftentimes other players can just kill your pirate right off and you get nothing that round or worse, you lose out on a big payoff at the end of the voyage. Yeah, this game is, I would definitely say this game could be mean for sure. Because mm-hmm. again, you can you can kill other pirates, you can steal loot from people, you can kill people on people's boats. Yep. It's definitely very interactive. You can end up with nothing or worse, like actually losing money, losing gold. Yeah. Well, and there's two sides to the board, right? There's the, uh, I guess, nicer side and then there's the like worse side. So mm-hmm. you could get treasure that's, let's say, like you can get a relic and every night that relic costs you a coin. 
which is essentially victory points. Yeah, it's I didn't the first time I played the original game, I did not think I was going to like the game when they were teaching it to me. I'm like, this game is not for me. But by the end of it, I started like wrapping my head around it and was thought it was really interesting and actually ended up having quite a bit of fun in it. You know, it's definitely not my style game. So I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. I think the fun for me specifically is the progression through the voyages. So there's like you said, there's three voyages. You get six crew members, but the first voyage is only four days. Mm-hmm. So technically, you're only going to play four crew members, and yep. you're probably going to keep at least two pirates. Then you get another six, and now you have a hand of eight. And then there's going to be five days on this. Then mm-hmm. So you might potentially have three pirates left over after that one, and then you get another six. So mm-hmm. there are times where you see a set of cards and you say, all right, this is doing me no good this voyage. I might as well hold off and play this card later on down the road. It's one of those things, at least for me, you try to keep track of what people have played. But by the time you get into the second voyage, you're just like, I I mean, at this point, I don't even know. I don't even know if anyone still has any of the other stuff. At least for me, I don't keep track of that stuff. It's just a little too much to monitor. Mm Mm-hmm. It's you, you want to because there are some cards where like they give you a big payoff if you're the only one that played it that round, you know, and so you're like, oh, hopefully I'll play it the first round and then I'll hold on to it to the last one. But there's all kinds of things that can happen. You know, some cards will let you pull back other cards, you know, so if those cards are in the game that then that card make that pirate may come back. Yeah, it's just kind of wild and all over the place. And I really had no business liking it, but I just did. It was just fun. It was just a fun little game. You know, I didn't mind how mean it was, and I typically don't like mean games. I think because every single round you're going out and they're like trying to get a decent loot token, you're not making big plans, right? You're not setting yourself up and somebody's taking the rug underneath you. Like, it's literally like, oh, I hope I can get a loot token this round. Oh, I guess I didn't. It just doesn't feel quite as bad, you know? I think this is one of those games that it's a little too random for my for my taste, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played a six player game and one of the players in that game said, you know what? Some, I honestly does, it doesn't even feel like it matters what I pick. I'm just going to like, I could randomly pick a card from my hand and just mm. see what happens. Yeah. Kind of. And I think that's going to be one of those things that it's nice that it accommodates six players, but I think the sweet spot's going to be closer to four. Cause I think there's going to be a little bit more trying to psych out the other players there's going to be a little there's less cards available so there's a little bit more knowledge of what might still be able to come up and i think at four it might be a better sweet spot than let's say something like six Mm -hmm. i agree because again it and i felt somewhat the same way too at the six player game that especially at the last voyage i didn't i i mean i had cards in my hand but i didn't really have a good idea of what i should or should not play you know Okay. And I want to I wanted to bring this up cuz this the six player game specifically I wanted to bring up. All right, so the the six player game we played, the first place player scored 92 points. <laughs> the last player scored 48. Okay. So I was the last player, okay? Oh, okay. And okay. Yeah, oh, that changes everything. Yeah, Bob's a sore loser. Bob no. don't like it because he lost. I don't, as long as I'm competitive and I wasn't competitive. <laughs> it, not at all. I was doing horrible in the game. Like, anytime I guessed, I guessed incorrectly. And anytime I'm like, yes, 
I'm going to get this treasure. Somehow I didn't get the treasure I needed, so I just kept paying coins. That's not necessarily a bad thing, especially when you're going into this style of game. The problem was after the second voyage, the person who had 92 points had like 60 some points at that point, And I had like 20 just because yeah. things went you know, their way. They had a good engine built based on keeping a card from the previous voyage and then using the cards in the current voyage. And they just interacted really well. And, you know, shame on us for not breaking that up. But that's one of those things that, I mean, that's a spread. You know, you had 90, there was a couple 70s, you had a 60, then you had, you know, lonely old Bob out on the island. by. I probably, I got left on the island. I didn't even get treasure. They didn't even bring me back to the boat is what happened in that game. But it just, it's, it's one of those things that people should know going into it that something like that can happen. There can be a spread like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't think you'll enjoy this game if you want all pure strategy. You've got to be okay with the swingy wildness of this game. And Definitely. you've got to enjoy it. And if, you do, if you're not going to enjoy it, then you won't like this game. That's for sure. It is like almost a party game. It's Yeah, it's a party game, but definitely more thinky, yeah. There's there's more. It's like a party game for Euro gamers, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It's, you know, you try to you try to plan it out. Like, okay, if Bob plays this, then I can play this. But if they play this, and then that won't work. It's got a big complicated game of rock paper scissors, maybe. Yeah, except with rock paper scissors times forty. Rock but, paper scissors, Spock. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> Spock, uh, scorpion, lion. Anyway, and then there's a initiative track. So that's mm-hmm. if everyone plays the exact same card number, then you go based on this initiative track. And the worse you are, the more the last you'll go, mm-hmm. but you get more money voyage to voyage to voyage. And the more goody two shoes you are, the less money you get voyage to voyage to voyage. But typically you should be able to pick treasure first. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of manipulating of that track. Because you want to be a scoundrel in order to generate more money voyage to voyage, but you also kind of want to be good so you can get first dibs on the treasure. So there's a lot of manipulating. The problem is trying to increase some of it a lot of times loses you money. So it loses you points to increase in the initiative, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just one of those things they have to consider. Depending on the cards, yeah. Yeah, does it make sense for me to move up in order to get a better position if we play the same card? Yeah. Did you play the original one? Technically, yes, I did, okay. but it was um, on Board Game Arena, and so I didn't the, quite remember the rules when I played. The original one didn't have the initiative track. That one had um, numbers on all the cards that were different, like in the bottom corner. So if you were tied, you would you would just go off those numbers. So it was totally random. I like the initiative track. It's something else that you can manipulate and play with. Some of the cards affect the initiative track. Um, it kind of, I, I like that part of it a lot better with the new edition. Yeah, I would definitely say the initiative track was a much better addition to this game. Mm-hmm. Much needed addition to this game for sure. What did you think of the artwork? I liked it actually. I liked it quite a bit. Stonemeyer always seems to do a pretty solid job with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very cartoony compared yeah. to the original version. The yeah, original version of, was more like dark, I guess. I heard a lot of complaints that this new one wasn't as good as the original because people like the original dark pirate themes because pirates are kind of dark and then the artwork was dark. But I r- much prefer this newer edition. I like how light and bright it is. I don't mind the, 
the animals, they're like, they're anim, animophorphic. They look like people, but they're animals. Yep. I like that better. The cartooniness better. The brightness better. I don't like dark and dingy. So to me, the artwork is way better. Well, it goes back to your point that you've made across many episodes that the artwork makes it more inviting for newer players. If you set both Libertalias next to each other and you had a brand new board gamer coming in to play, you're going to pick the Stonemeyer version. It looks like more fun where the older one looks like more work. I don't know. It looks dark and mean. And yeah. the game can be mean, so it reflects the gameplay. But I think the cutesy, fun, anamorphic artwork does a lot to de-escalate, I guess. Yeah. The, the meanness in it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, like, look, we're still having fun, right? Even though I just killed your pirate off. This is still fun. My captain is a cat person, so it's not that bad. You know, a cat person stabbed you in the back. It's no big deal. Instead of yeah. this, like, rough-looking dude with tattoos. Yeah, I like the this newer one better than the original one. Yeah, I I liked it too. I thought it was I thought it was good. I like the artwork. I like I said, Stonemeyer in general, most of anything he does with his artwork is good. So I didn't expect anything mm-hmm. less. The pieces are nice and chunky, so you get those nice mm-hmm. like starburst sized treasure tokens, and they're different colors and they're bright. So even the board, the the two different sides, one the nicer side is more of a during the day setting and the meaner side is more at dusk or at night has more of a little darker theme to it. And the other thing I like that they did in the box specifically is so you can play on either side, but then you have these little tokens, not tokens. You have these cardboard, like cardboard, yeah, cardboard pieces that give you the opposite sides power for those treasures. So the, one of the games we played the six player game, the relics costed you one coin every night phase. You could have put on top of it what it was on the night on the daytime side, which is the relic now gives you something. So you can mix and match what you want. So you can take, mm-hmm. you can intermix the two however you want to kind of create your own unique game. And I think that extends gameplay. Yeah. This game has tons and tons of replayability because those cards that you play are so unique and they all have special unique powers and they really change the way the game is played like being able to resurrect old pirates being able to keep them like all kinds of unique things that let you get coins other ways besides just collecting loot yep all right what would you rate this game i am i feel like i feel like i talked very highly about it and my rating is going to be a little bit on the sour side i'm going to give it a six and a half i Mm-hmm. I liked it. I think it's one of those games that I I can see myself if somebody's like, hey, you want to play some Libertalia and there's nothing else going on and we're just having some friends over? Cool. I'll, I'll be down to play it. I don't think I need to mm-hmm. own it. I think I'd rather just play somebody else's copy just because there's I think there's a lot of replayability in this game. I think there's a lot of good things for this game. For me, it's a little too chaotic. Yeah, it's not your style. I think if you're a straight Euro gamer, I don't know if something like this is really going to be something you enjoy. I th- it can be, but again, it's just so chaotic and it can be extremely mean. Yeah, I, I rated it a 7 out of 10. I, I am surprised how much I enjoyed it. It's definitely not my style game at all, but I did still really like it. I thought it was well done and a lot of fun and I didn't mind playing it at all. And I kind of want to keep playing it because because it's so different each time and I like really want to get good at it, you know? But yeah, it, it I still 
enjoy it quite a bit for for what it is. But I think you just have to know going into it, you know, that it's chaotic and wild and and swingy, but it's still a lot of fun. I have to be in the mood to play it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I would recommend giving this game a try if you like a fun, quick game with lots of variability and you don't mind when things don't go your way. That's Libertalia Winds of Galecrest. With that, that is going to wrap up our reviews for this week. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, what are we going to do? <laughs> would you rather board game edition? I don't really know why I say it that way. It sounds cool. It does sound cool. It makes it makes it more fun. Yeah, definitely sounds cooler. As opposed I think to it like, makes it funner. It, it de- if anything, it's the funnest by saying it that way. It just doesn't yeah. sound right. Would you rather board game edition? No, you gotta you gotta get some inflection there. Would you rather board game edition? Yeah, definitely. All right, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna do it. Would you rather board game edition? We are back, and we are doing. Would you rather board game edition? <laughs> Part two. Part two. We had so much fun doing the last one, and I had a bunch of these, so why not do why not do it again, right? Yeah, yeah. So, would you rather mm-hmm. live in an underwater city? No. Or a castle of Burgundy? Castle of Burgundy. You wouldn't want to live in an underwater city? No, I can't even stand the thought of being underwater. What? You can't breathe under there. No. It would be in a it would be in a closed city. It's not like you would be just in water with, you'd be in a like structure. It'd be like being in space, but it being in water. Okay. Do you know how often I think about being in space? How often do you think? Never. Oh it sounds God. awful. Easy answer. What about you? I can't answer it that easily. Okay. I have to think about it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, an underwater city would be kind of dope. Well, here's the thing. The underwater city would be futuristic. So it would have all the benefits of the future, right? Where the Castle of Burgundy, I don't it doesn't even have plumbing. You know, funny story about plumbing in castles. You know what they used to do? They used to build uh, the shitter outside of the castle. So it would like be this little thing that would protrude out. Mm-hmm. So if you ever see part of a castle that has this little structure on like its upper levels, like a bay window almost, you know how it extends out? Uh-huh. If it extends out and there's a bunch of like streaking on the side of the <laughs> castle... It, no, no joke. Uh, you poop and then just falls down. It falls out. Yeah, that's how they did it. I'm there's no. I'm I not joking. You because other because other people just would go in a bucket and then throw it out their window. So I mean, that's, that's nicer. I mean, that's a bit archaic. If we're gonna be living in a castle of, in Burgundy, I, I assume it's it's modern day Burgundy. So then, yes, I would prefer a castle. I get really claustrophobic, so the idea of living underwater is terrifying i don't know i think if we're gonna do this question we have to do it based on the board games and where they would be in their development their time, oh, in their time period so that changes because i don't want to live in the past either so what do you pick underwater city okay. futuristic underwater city or old school so, castle of burgundy so i'm imagining a giant city so not like a spongebob little house who lives in walk, a pineapple under the sea where i have to walk to the store with a helmet on my head <laughs> so as long as I can stay in the city and I can forget, I don't have to look out and be reminded that I'm under the water all the time. Yeah. I would much prefer to live in the future, any future, even if it's underwater, than in the past. What kind of idea do you think you have when I say underwater city that it would be like SpongeBob where you'd have to wear scuba gear to go to the supermarket? It'd be all enclosed <laughs> into the one structure. I don't, it depends on how big it is, right? Like It's how- an under... It Let's... Okay. But it's still underwater, get... hold on, underwater city. 
Well, it can't be that big. Like, is it like a little? It's not a habitat. It's a city. Okay. 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 Then I choose fine. An underwater city is my answer. Are you sure? Yes. Final answer. Underwater city? Yes. Hmm. Okay. That was a really good question. Yeah, well, you answered it so quickly, and we talked you out of your original answer, <laughs> yeah. which is perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I would pick. I mean, I like fantasy, so I'm going to pick a castle of Burgundy. I'm going to pick castle. Really? I think that would be dope. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You know that poor, like poor people of today live a much better quality of life than the richest person in the past. The richest person ever in the past, even with a whole castle and a slew of maidservants. It's still a rougher life than somebody who is living in poverty today. Yeah, but I could have swords and I could be... I yeah, because to, to kill off the barbarians, not for fun. Hey, you listen, you made your choice. Let me make mine, okay? Don't yeah, come... But you're, yeah, but your choice is wrong. Oh, my God. Here we go again. This is going to be fun. Awesome. <laughs> Let's just end this segment right now. Okay. <laughs> Next up, this is a question Natasha had and okay. it's directed towards me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you rather... Throw cards into a wild pile <laughs> or the pile be nice and neat, but arranged in different ways. Like every other card is upside down. I can't with this question for Bob because he's kind of neurotic about the way his cards are placed. So my answer is definitely throw them into a pile because I don't give a shit how the cards are. And if they're a big pile, then I don't have to place it nice and neat in a stacked pile. So that is my preference. How they're orientated in that stack pile doesn't matter to me at all. If they're upside down, all different ways. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to pick a pile. I'm going to pick a wild pile that people just throw their stuff into. Because if if we are having a nice, neat pile and somebody, it takes the time to turn the cards the wrong orientation and set it in that pile, that's going to drive me nuts. But if the if the pile's just like... Just Falling this, over. Yeah, if it's just this wild pile, I don't care. I don't care because I know like it's chaos. You got to pick it up anyways. Yeah, I'm going to have to pick it up. And when I pick it up, I can straighten it instead of going over there and like. Bob, get, <sighs> Bob gets really, I, I try to neatly discard no, you don't. my, ta- my no, you don't. cards because no, you I know don't. he doesn't like why on nope. this. But then when I discard it, he yells at me because it's the wrong way. It's facing that's the wrong it. direction. No, nope. nope, that's no. That is 100% what happens. No, you do it on purpose. Don't act like <laughs> don't you don't. Even don't do it act on like purpose. you don't. So, okay, if I'm making eye contact with you while I'm discarding it, then yes, it's on purpose. But you, but only because I figured it out that it bothers take a, you. Take a second. To, okay, so your your card. Okay, the way you do it is you have a set of cards. People are gonna think I'm crazy. So you have a you have a you set. Crazy. There are people who are just like me. Yes. And we're gonna get uh-huh. a, we're gonna get a group together. And there are a lot of serial killers out in the world too. Wow, it's gonna be like that. Okay, cool. This is gonna yeah, awesome. So anyway, you have a set of cards. And you have them all arranged correctly. Uh-huh. And then you look, then you just, all I have to do is look at the discard pile and say, oh, this way is up. So then I'll take the cards and I'll set them so they're up instead of turning them other, but, other okay, way. That's not them fair down. because everybody's orientated differently around this don't pile of cards. Even, don't even, you can't, that argument does not, no, no, because the discard pile is the discard pile. Yeah, but. It might be orientated correctly for you, but the natural way my hand takes the card and puts it in the discard pile, obviously it's backwards every time, so it's not like it's random. I guess I don't know. It could be right. I'm not paying attention. No. Yeah, you know what? I'm not paying attention. All of my cards in my games are all kinds of directions. I know, and the thing is, you shuffle them that way too, and I don't know, like, I I don't know, maybe it's the way I was taught how to shuffle, but I would never, like, the way I shuffle naturally, you give me a deck of cards, that will never happen. 
Like, it's just I am incapable of doing them the opposite directions. That is strictly because you learned how to shuffle that way because you care about the orientation of your cards. I guarantee you that. No, it was probably from my parents. That's probably the reason why I ended up shuffling that way is my parents taught me to shuffle that way. Well, here's the thing. You can shuffle whatever way you want. It doesn't matter what card, the way they're oriented. You just got to reorientate them. And you know what? Your in your games, I don't care. You do whatever the hell you want to do. <laughs> but when you... if And the thing is, I don't even... I bring it up to you, okay? Yes, I make it a big deal to you specifically because... It drives me crazy, but for the most part, I don't even like say anything to anyone. I just grab the cards and reorient them while they're- He silently suffers and then fixes everybody's cards so that way they're all oriented the correct way. Because I know my OCD is triggered and I'm not going to have other people be responsible for my OCD, except for you. You should know better. You should know better. Shame (laughs) on you. Shame. The last game we played, Underwater Cities, actually, I made an effort to place the cards in the correct orientation. And then sometimes I forget. Because it doesn't matter. Well, that wasn't even my copy, so I don't. <laughs> I, I don't even care. Dang it! Those sleeves. Okay, were, it only matters when it's your copy. Yeah, Got those it. sleeves were junk. Okay. Oh yeah, they all gonna fall over anyways if they're sleeved. Okay. Would you rather only play new games, never repeating a title more than three times, or no? I'll pick the second one. Can I? Can I finish? Sure. Or play your favorite ten games for the rest of your life. Oh. That's hard. Only 10 games? Yep. That's why it's would you rather. It's oh. not supposed to be easy. Yeah, but okay, three games is cool. Like I could play most of the games that I like three games and that'd be fine. There's so many games. Okay, I would rather play games more than three times. But if I only had a choice, I would pick the first one because 10 games is going to go fast and I could literally play every game in the world and not get through that whole thing. So you would much rather play only new games, never repeating a title more than three times. So even if it was your favorite game of all time, so Scythe, Mm -hmm. you would only be able to ever experience that game three times. I wouldn't be my, it wouldn't be my favorite game because it didn't become my favorite game until later. Um, Only because I I don't want to ever just be limiting to 10 games. I mean, as long as, as, I mean, maybe if I'm allowed to change my top 10 all the time, then I'd go with the second one. You remember when we discussed board game collections and mm-hmm. you said you don't need that many games? Yeah, but like 10 is not very many. You also said it's okay to have zero. Yeah, because I'll be playing other people's games. Are you talking about my collection only? <laughs> I can still play other game people's games? See, the problem is, the problem with this question, and I, I like this question, and I'm going to pick begrudgingly, if I have to make a decision, I'm going to pick the very first one. I'm going to... Uh, playing a game no more than three times mm-hmm. just because my favorite 10 games is probably going to shift, right? And yeah. there's always new things coming out. Yeah. And I think part, like, naturally, as people who create content for board games, we're naturally going to be wanting to play more games. Mm-hmm. So I would pick the first one and I would hate myself for doing it because mm-hmm. my 10 favorite games I would love to play the rest of my life yeah i like playing the same games over and over again for sure okay we've i think we've alluded to this one before but i have a, i have one yes would you rather play the same game 10 times or 10 different games one time i will say same game 10 times yep or 10 games one time mm-hmm. was the one game it doesn't matter it can be any game yeah i get to pick the game i play 10 times yeah like a like a new game okay let's say a new game came out a pile of new games came out and you can yep. pick one and play it 10 times or you can play you can pick 10 and play them each one time 
and not permanently like let's say like over the right 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 um i will say my gut told me to say one game 10 times yeah it's and it's tempting because if they're new like i want to experience them all and then i'll settle into playing one of them 10 times but i really like playing the same game over and over again so i would pick one game 10 times and get to know it and then probably be done by that time move on pick the next game play it 10 times yeah i think if i you know in the this particular question changes i think based on how long you're in the hobby Mm -hmm. so when i first got into board games i would pick the first one I always oh, wanted to play something. Yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. would the first not even thinking twice. And now I definitely want to experience the game and what the game has to offer. So when it comes to reviewing games, I think you and I review games that we feel comfortable talking about and giving our opinion on. Mm-hmm. And it and plays don't necessarily factor into that. Mm-hmm. sometimes it does like there are games where we've played and said okay we're not ready to talk about this yet because mm-hmm. i'm just not ready to form an opinion and some game for example arc nova is a prime example we played it and we didn't review it for a while because we wanted to play it more mm-hmm. so we could really give what our opinion was on something like that yep. right so i think yeah i think i'd rather yeah i'd rather play the game 10 times mm-hmm. because now that i know what i like i'm much better at choosing a game i know i could play 10 times than i was 5 6 years ago yeah yeah one game 10 times all right would you rather only play with seasoned players or always be bringing new players into the community <sighs> that's a tough one yes cuz i really like playing with seasoned gamers i love playing with new people too i got my youth think that i don't want, want to play with new people but i love playing with seasoned gamers if i had to choose if i had a good group of seasoned gamers like i do now i have a good group of friends i would always play i would choose my friends over new ones because i love teaching new people new games but i don't get to play my best with them you know what i mean i'm always you know i want to give them an opportunity to win or at least feel like they're doing well well, we talked about it. You don't like give yourself a restriction or something, right? Yeah, or just casually play like without thinking too much and, and play for fun. I play a lot of welcoming style games. I'm not going to yep. play something super heavy. So, but, you know, that sounds like I don't like playing with new people. And that's absolutely not it true. Sounds like, I love yeah, playing with no, new people. No, it sounds like you hate new people and you are not an ambassador for the board gaming community. That's not true at all. I love playing with new people. I would love to play both. You can't pick. You can't have both. You have to pick one. What are you would pick? I rather? I got a solid group of good friends. I'd be happy to play with them for the rest of my life. Okay. I mean, I'm naturally going to pick that one. I know <laughs> you would. That's not even. That's not even a tough decision for you. No, it's pretty simple for me. That it it and it it's funny because when you say it that way, it sounds like I'm not in favor of new players. Mm-hmm. But it's not that they're new. It's that they're unknown. Bob doesn't like the unknown. Yeah. Because it could be it's risky. What if what if you don't like them? No, it's not. It's not that. Okay. You want to know what it actually is? Yeah, tell me. I don't. You're gonna tell me I'm wrong, but yeah. So it's probably true. I don't even know how to respond to that. Okay. The problem is, I said this before that I am an acquired taste as far as personality. People seem to, when they first meet me, they don't like me. Right? It's just. It's it's one of those things. You say that, yeah. Yeah, I say that, but very rarely is somebody like, oh, yeah, I liked you from the beginning. It's because I've heard that a lot from just like. Here's a thought. What? 
maybe we should be nicer to people. That's not my personality. I'm not a nice person. (laughs) I'm not. I am not nice. They people, deep down, like you're kind of a jerk. No, deep down, I'm a, deep down, I'm a very nice, kind-hearted person. Yeah, I would give you the shirt off my back. Yeah, you would. But when no, people know how much shit I give you in this podcast, you know, and it, like that's just how I am. And people are just like, "Oh, this dude's a jerk." See, I don't see it that way. That's probably why. Yeah, I mean, you take it in stride, but a lot of I don't know how sensitive some people are to that, like that thing. So, so why haven't you learned that lesson? Just not give them shit. Just give other the, people shit. So that's the thing. I have learned that lesson. So it's exhausting being around new people because I'm constantly having to monitor what comes out of my mouth. <laughs> it's just a lot of work for you. It's it's mentally taxing to constantly be aware of how new people perceive you. Okay. That's what it is. I don't have that problem. No, you don't. And you're just like, ah, free flowing, like, yeah, whatever. Like, people naturally are going to, if they met the two of us, Mm -hmm. they're going to like you before they like me. But then after everything's all done. And they get to know us better? Yeah, they're going to like me way more than they're going to like you. (laughs) (laughs) No, probably not. Probably not. I don't think that's true. It depends on their personality. I'm likable from the beginning to the end. Sure. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. I'm I'm not I'm I'm I gu- I guarantee you people like and it's and it's fine I understand that about me it's just the way I am I just like to give people shit and people take it incorrectly huh. so see I think of like if I start giving you if I start giving you crap while we're playing a game if you're listen if you're new and I start giving you crap that means I like you yeah that's how I always interpret it. I always think any attention is good attention. Maybe that's why you never bothered me. Your parents did something growing up, didn't they? <laughs> any attention is good attention. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Yeah, I like people giving me shit. I think it's funny. Uh, I, I give mean, people. I do give people shit too sometimes, and they look at me like, "Wow, I can't believe you said that." Yeah, I'm like, but it's a joke, and it's you know. because you. It's because you're. You're too likable and people are just like, she's too, she's too nice and sweet to say something like that. Whereas me, they're just like, yep, that sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is par for the course when it comes to him. Yep. (laughs) He's just a jerk. He just is. He just is. I've been working on it over the years. I think I'm better now than I was 10, 15 years ago. Oh man. (laughs) Man. All right. All right, next up. Did we answer that? I don't even know if we answered that. Did we? What was what? the question? I don't remember. Play with new players. Oh, oh yeah, 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 we answered that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right, so I got a couple very similar questions, and I'm gonna, I'm just going to phrase it one way. So would you rather play one three-hour-long game mm-hmm. or three one-hour-long games? And I got this question, and the thing is I asked that one specifically because I think that has more of a – it's a more difficult decision because somebody said two hours or two one-hour games. Mm-hmm. And I think the longer that first game is, the harder the decision becomes. So I'm going to say three. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would pick three one-hour games. Three one-hour games over one three-hour game? Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know if I would. I think... Ah, oh, that's... Oh, yeah. Because a three-hour game, I'm thinking of... I think I'm thinking of games that take three hours in my head. Okay. okay. And I'm like, oh, man, I really like those games. Mm-hmm. You know, Terraforming Mars with, you know, some players can be a three-hour game. Yeah. If you had said two hours or two, two one-hour games, it would easily be two hours. I love two-hour games. 
Yeah, there's like a nice sweet spot, mm-hmm. you know. Three hour game that I that I love, that I know I love, a hundred percent want to play. Always down to play. But a three hour game that I'm not sure if I like yet, uh, I'm not sure yet. Well, in the three one hour games, so a one hour game is fast. Mm-hmm. It thinking about it now compared to again like ten years ago, uh, an hour long game is quick. Mm-hmm. So. Do I want to play three fast games or do I want to play one like real crunchy game? Mm-hmm. My preference for my board game night is to play, to open the night with a big, heavy, crunchy game and then finish the night with a bunch of smaller games. Smaller as we go on. Just That's my Decrease, personal. decrease, decrease? Yeah. Okay. I can see. Yeah. I mean, we did that. Honestly, we did that at our Origins, it felt like. Mm-hmm. That's what typically I try to get that big, heavy game in first. I prefer to that than... If we start playing like lighter games, it seems to be that we kind of stay on lighter games for the whole game. That is true. It very rarely do you, all right, let's bust out this heavy Euro game or whatever. Yeah, start with that heavy Euro one. Yeah, sure. So if I go down to game night, I feel more satisfied playing three games for sure. And if I don't like one of them, it's fine. But, you know, I certainly down to play a three-hour game too. So does length of time matter that much to you or is it more... Like so, with this question, it begs to, it begs. What do you prefer? Do you prefer longer games or do you prefer shorter games? But for me, it's not that simple. It, yeah, length doesn't matter. You know, heaviness. I think that's that comes into play more. But I like I like heavy games and I like m- medium games and I like light games too. So it's just it's mood dependent. Yeah. I, naturally, I think I'm going to say just based on my personality and the way I like to play. If I had to pick, I'll probably pick the three hour game. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that at some point I'm going to be like, no, nah, I'd rather just play three one-hour games. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather have a longer, more robust experience. Mm-hmm. I And this is not always the case, but generally speaking, longer games are going to have a bigger experience than shorter games. Yeah. So I'm probably going to pick. I don't mind longer games. Some people don't like to have really long games. I don't care. I'll play a long game. Mm-hmm. Problem is if it feels long compared to it not like arc nova did not feel long when we played it Mm -hmm. it was a long game Mm -hmm. it didn't feel long so there's that difference with that i think yeah if i absolutely had to choose between the two i would choose three games that are each one hour long yeah i definitely i'm going the opposite way what if it was four a four hour long game four one hour long definitely four four games wouldn't even think twice about the yeah Three hour, I'm still willing to play a three hour game. Four hour game is like really pushing the limit yeah, that's of basically, games I want to play. Yeah. What if it, okay. What if it was a weekend and you, it's not game night. Mm-hmm. It's a weekend. You have your friends over. You invite everyone and their sister over to play. <laughs> Definitely not playing a three hour game at that point. No? No. Then we're playing short games. Got it. Because right. it's everyone and their sister, right? I'm not, I don't, I don't want to teach a three hour game. Like, if I'm going to play a th- good three hour game, my ideal three hour game is one that we all already know how to play. We plan to play it. That's how we do it. I'd love to play a whole day of all three-hour games, of all games we know. That'd be fun. But without learning. No learning involved. (laughs) You don't have to teach. But I have to sit around while other people teach. I just have to listen to people yak on for 20 minutes (laughs) on game rules. I don't... I love playing games despite having to learn them all. I wonder... I often wonder how you and I are friends. <laughs> I don't get it. So, okay, let's follow this into our next would you rather. Would you rather teach a favorite game or be taught a completely new game? 
I'm looking at you like, I don't want to do either of those. <laughs> no, but you have to pick one. So Teach you, a favorite game. You'd rather teach a favorite game than be taught a completely? Because guess what I would do? I would teach it my way. <laughs> Suckers oh my have to suffer through my, my teach. Because it, typically when I teach it, it's to my friends. Because you guys don't like it when I teach games. So it's I not don't that do we don't it. like it's not that we don't like how you teach. It's that you are unwilling to compromise the way you which in the way you teach to satisfy how we learn. That's not true. I yeah. do. I just don't like it. That is, uh, I don't know. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. I think it's it's how take Rising Sun for example. Okay. Okay. You taught us Rising Sun, and you did a very good job teaching it. Thank you. I was actually really impressed with how you did, but you so desperately wanted to play that game. I did, yeah. Okay. Then uh, there was, uh, I'm trying to think what game you taught us. Maybe it was Meadow, where you were showing us the game and it was very light, mm-hmm. partly because you had already played it once and you were like soured a bit on the experience and you were only playing it an additional time to see if it actually was mediocre to you. Mm-hmm. So the rules teach was way worse on that one than it was in something like Rising Sun. Well, and that's because I only played it once, so I didn't have a good plan of how to teach it. And it was a light game. Like, it didn't require a 10-minute teach. You know, it it could have been it was done in 60 seconds. That's how you play the game. Well, let's play. I just don't get why you need a comprehensive rule teach on that game. On metal or just in general? On metal. But even so, but that's what I'm saying is... I teach it based on a game. Like, how do I think the the game is best going to be learned, Need needs to learn? Like, there's some games that you need to know all the rules up front. Fine. But other games, like, you just need a basic idea. All right, let's start. And mom looks at me like I'm a crazy person. Yeah, because that's not. No, like, that's the that For me, that's what. No. Now. Most board gamers are like you. They want Pass. the whole complete. They want to know every single rule, every single scenario. Explain to them. Then we can begin playing. There's certain things not, necess- not necessarily like one of the things is, for example, when cards when cards come up in a display, I don't need to know whatever card does. If something new comes up, you can explain to me what that card does. Yeah, like that's fine. I don't need to know every single corner case when it comes to that kind of stuff. But okay. I would like to know the overall how to do things. So yeah. then when I mess up, I know I did it myself. Not, hey, Natasha, what do I need to do with my turn? Well, you could do this or you could do this. Yeah, I don't want that. I want to be like, I can do these two things. I'm going to choose this one. Yeah, I know. That's why you're bad at teaching. I'm not bad at teaching. I I teach just fine. You guys are just wrong. <laughs> so to answer your question, yes, I, I am good at teaching uh, games that are my favorite because I've you know thought about it and kind of practiced ahead of time. Yeah, I think if it were me, I'd rather teach a favorite game mm-hmm. than be taught a completely new game. Yeah. Although I don't mind learning completely new games. Sharing the experience of a game I love with somebody, I think, is more where I would answer that question. All right. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to Our Shenanigans. Join us next week where we're going to talk about our top 10 pet peeves of gaming. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Send us your questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>